Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to... The Grace Curley Show. Thank you all so much for joining us today. It is Wednesday, and we have an excellent program prepared for you. We have a lot to discuss. A lot broke last night, and still more news keeps pouring out today. Um, Let's start with the news out of Nevada last night. I thought these primaries were going to be boring, mostly because Trump is all but a sure thing. I don't think anyone's really questioning that he's going to be the GOP nominee Um, And even so, or the GOP candidate, even so, though, these primaries have been very amusing. I I found them to be very entertaining. Great for me. Great for my business. Um, And of course, we're just getting started. But last night, Trump wasn't on the ballot in the Silver State because there are no delegates in the primary. And the 26 delegates that are up for grabs are in tomorrow's GOP-run caucus. And they're most likely going to all go to Donald Trump. So the primary for Republican purposes, you might think, is pointless. One would think. Yet Nikki Haley wanted to make a point. She wanted to make a splash, to make her mark. And really, when you when you think about this, it makes a little bit of sense. Like in her mind, maybe she thought, well, what better way to do it than to enter the race when the main competitor isn't a factor, and I'm sure to win. And then I get a couple headlines, and, you know, the mainstream media, the machine can start talking about how, oh, Nikki Haley, you know, it was her night. She ended up victorious. They'll leave out the part that she was really the only Republican candidate who signed up. It's like winning a beauty contest, and you're the only person on the stage. But whatever. They'll, they'll run with it. They'll give her a win for the night. In a rebuke of Trump. Yeah, exactly. Sending a message to Donald Trump, that kind of thing. And you still get a trophy, so what could possibly go wrong? Well, it turns out that a lot can go wrong. And this is actually a good lesson for future also-rans of why you might not want to risk it. Why even when you're the only one in a race, and it seems like there's no way, you're in a can't-lose situation... There's still a way you can lose if you try hard enough. And if you missed it, last night, Nikki Haley lost to none of these candidates. That was the option on the ballot. Voters could choose none of these candidates. And I think like 60% of them chose that. Voters could choose none of these candidates. And I just... I only think it's fair when someone has a good night, Jared, when someone runs a good campaign, I'm all about tipping the hat to that person, you know, and giving them their moment, giving them their moment to shine. And I just want to give a huge round of applause to none of these candidates, as I like to call it, NOTC, because NOTC wowed the crowd. And I don't know what you can attribute it to, the ground game, the door knockers, the signage, 
I don't know if it was the messaging or the media hits, but none of these candidates came out victorious. And I think that just like we would for anyone else, they deserve their their accolades. Yeah, and the craziest part of this, and, and kudos to our KFOY listeners, um, these people actually took the time to go down and make sure they voted for none of the... Like, this wasn't a survey. This wasn't a mail-in ballot. No, these people actively said, we choose nobody, yeah. none of the above, over Nikki Haley. Yeah, we actively do not like you. It, it's not just a passive, and eh, we're not crazy about you. It's an active feeling of we do not want you, and we want to let you know that we don't want you. You know what it reminds me of? Because Michael Buble was in the news last week, and he talked about how he missed... He wanted to go to the Stanley Cup and he canceled a concert somewhere and he canceled it like very last minute. I think it was in Toronto, canceled it very last minute and ticked off all of those people who had paid to come see his concert so he could go see the Stanley Cup. He's a huge hockey fan. And he was talking about it on a podcast and he said, I, I rescheduled that concert and people came to it to give me the middle finger and then walk out. People made plans. Are we sure that didn't just happen when he was microdosing on shrooms again? <laughs> People made plans. They made the effort to show up, give me the bird, and then walk away. And that is kind of, when you think about it, it's a similar thing. It's like, hey, I'm going to get get myself there. I'm going to put in the effort just to give the bird to Nikki Haley. And the funny part about it to me, there's there's a few funny parts, but one of the really funny parts about it to me is that after the New Hampshire primary, which we were focused at that point, I was kind of focused more on Dean Phillips and that just because the Democrats didn't sanction it. Dean Phillips was doing a lot of ads and kind of picking up a little bit of steam. I wish he had picked up more steam, but given how little he was campaigning before or or how quickly he started campaigning before the actual day, he did pretty well. So I was kind of more focused on that. But one of the things that was amusing is that when it ended, Nikki Haley came in third. It was Trump first, then it was DeSantis, and then it was Nikki Haley. And in a weird, like, Stepford Wives-style non-concession speech, victory speech thing, she was bizarrely bragging about it being a two-man race. She was like, this proves it. This is a two-man race. I think that was after Iowa before New Hampshire. Oh, I'm sorry. So after Iowa before New Hampshire, she's going around. She's going like, this is a two man race. And even Trump said, wait, you came in third. So how is it? You don't you shouldn't want it to be a two man race because if it's a two man race. You're on the outs. But what I love about last night is that it looks like it's back to being a three man race. We've got Donald Trump, Nikki Haley and the underdog, which I want to hear more about none of these candidates. So we're back to having a three-man race, unfortunately, for Nikki Haley. Uh, Let's see how she copes with it. And by the way, I'm going to have Caroline Levitt on today. Caroline is not a fan of Nikki Haley. She's made that clear way before she became the national press secretary for Trump. She has never, because when she ran her congressional race in New Hampshire... She was not pleased with the way Nikki Haley treated her in her campaign. And so she's never pulled punches when it comes to her feelings about Nikki Haley. I immediately texted her this morning and I said, would you like to come on and and not take a victory lap on behalf of Donald Trump? Take a victory lap on behalf of yourself because you 
do not like her. And she said, I would love to. She also wants to talk about what's going on with Biden at the border, trying to blame this on Trump and how amusing they find it in the Trump campaign that now he's trying to spin this to blame the former guy, as Joe Biden likes to call him. Um, and so we're going to talk. Everybody's always blaming me for everything. We're going to talk about that. Do you see uh, Joe Biden yesterday Oof. at the White House? It was awful. It was awful. He gets up and he's talking about Kamala Harris, calling her Kamala, by the way, Kamala Harris. He still hasn't mastered that. He's still. And, and I thought at one point, didn't someone tell us, Jared? I didn't even have this on my list, but I just thought of it. Didn't somebody tell us that mispronouncing Kamala Harris's name is racist? I'm going to do racism, some digging. Racism, racism. I'm going to do some digging, but I think that that was a topic of conversation and by the way you know what else was racist calling what's happening at the border an invasion and i saw today a headline al sharpton on msnbc on morning joe you know they're they're joe biden's uh, go-to guide for how to handle everything al sharpton was calling the influx of illegals at our border an invasion so i guess it's not a dog whistle anymore because al sharpton and other people and the Democrat Party are now using it. But back to my original point, which was the other big story from yesterday. And that was the vote to impeach Mayorkas. Because we are talking a lot about the border and how ridiculous it is that now they're trying to pin this on Trump. So they have this vote to impeach Mayorkas. I... If Republicans could stick together on anything, I would have been a real big fan of this. But... And I don't have a crystal ball here. I just I tend to know that when we bring things to a vote, it tends to devolve into a circus. And that was what happened last night. So they vote to impeach Mayorkas and like everything involving Congress and specifically involving Republicans in Congress, got to give special credit to the Republicans. It turned into a bleep show. And the vote failed because Republicans didn't have the vote. Now, I never find myself saying that about Democrats, at least not in the House. I, I never find myself or I rarely find myself saying something failed because Democrats didn't have the vote. They they never bring anything to the floor until they have the votes. And they they always seem to get votes for things like they manage to whip everyone into shape and get the votes. Now, with that being said. Republicans, thanks to Ken Buck from Colorado, who is not seeking re-election and is most likely going to end up as a contributor to CNN. He's going to be like their their new conservative voice right behind Adam Kinzinger and Anna Navarro. And then you had Tom McClintock from California, Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin. Now, also worth noting, Steve Scalise was not there. So that's another vote we didn't have. Steve Scalise is getting treatments for blood cancer. He was not there. And there was a surprise appearance Representative Al Green from Texas, he showed up in a wheelchair right after surgery to cast a vote against impeaching Mayorkas. So there was a lot of moving parts. And I want to give that to Speaker Mike Johnson. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, because I do like him, that there was a lot of moving parts and maybe he miscalculated because of that. Now, it ended up being a tie, which is why Blake Moore who is the GOP conference chair, switched his vote at the last minute. And if you already know this and and you get it all, that's fine. I just, I'm learning a lot of this as I go, at least with the procedural stuff in Congress. So I'm just repeating it so we're all on the same page. And I don't want Blake Moore, I don't want the pitchforks out for Blake Moore. Do you notice this, Jared, with Republicans? People get very quick to say, you're a rhino. 
you voted against it. And so for the sake of this guy, Blake Moore, I just want to say he switched his vote so that the impeachment wouldn't die right there so that they could resummon it and, and bring it to a vote again. And whether or not they should do that, we can debate that in a, at another time or later on in the show. Um, and why Speaker Johnson brought this without the votes, like I said, seemed like there was a lot of things that maybe he thought were going to go a different way. And they were trying to convince Mike Gallagher and Ken Buck to go along with it. It didn't work. So at the last minute, Blake Moore switched his vote to yay so that they could uh, bring this up later on. 844-500-4242. And we haven't even covered everything I wanted to so far because Ronna McDaniel is out at the RNC, which I'm also going to ask Caroline about. That's a big shakeup. That I want to give credit to Jennifer Van Lahr from Red State, who I think was kind of the final nail in the coffin for Mitt Romney's niece. We will talk about that when we come back. We will take your calls as well. It's 844-500-4242. Like I said, no shortage of things to get to today. And there's a really fun piece in the New York Post about the New York City Housing Authority. And all of the scams that they were running, just pay to play. You know what they called it, Jared? A classic pay to play scheme. And when they say classic to me, that just means bad. That means just you weren't sneaky enough. Stupid. Obvious. That's what classic means in that sense. We'll talk about it. We'll take your calls. We got a lot to get to. This is The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Oh, I found it! I found it, everybody, and I gotta give kudos to Jimbo Slice, my dad texted me and said, I think it was Gavin Newsom who gave DeSantis a hard time for mispronouncing Kamala's name. And Jared, I have the cut here. He says, shame on you. And I'm here to tell you the way Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, pronounced Kamala was a lot closer than whatever Joe Biden came out with. He was way more in the ballpark than Joe Biden. And I don't think Governor Hairgel is going to tell Joe Biden, shame on you. It's not Kamala. It's Kamala. I'm actually listening to the way DeSantis pronounced it, and I can't even figure out what he did wrong. But it was enough for Gavin Newsom to kind of lose it on Hannity. But let's actually, let's play, let's play Biden first. So this was Biden yesterday. It was a Black History Month dinner. And... I want to actually, before we play the, the mispronunciation of Kamala, let's play him try, him protesting too much, trying to convince people their relationship, which we've heard in the past. There's been rumors that they don't get along, that uh, he's annoyed that she's not taking more off his plate, that she's not doing a better job. She's annoyed that, you know, she has to be vice president to someone who can barely put a sentence together. And so this is Joe Biden assuring us that everything's hunky-dory between the two. This is cut three. Let me just say we're really fortunate to have a real leader, a true friend, 
and an historic Vice President Kamala Harris. I not only ask her to join me, I love her. <laughs> it's a good relationship. She's doing an incredible job. Nothing says it's a good relationship like having to tell people. It's a good relationship. We like each other a lot. Things are going well. Hmm, I don't believe you. And this is him mispronouncing her name. This is cut four. To inspire the nation. But as Kamala described... Kamala. That's not even close, Jared. That's way worse. That is way worse. That's mega racist. Mega, mega racist. That is a dog whistle. That is not okay. And when it was Governor Ron DeSantis, he didn't hear the end of it from Gavin Newsom. I just, I'm waiting for Gavin Newsom to come out with some sort of report on this. Some sort of rebuke of Joe Biden. I won't hold my breath, though, of course. Um, something else I wanted to mention here, we talked a little bit about this. We'll play that sound for you of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis after the break. I just sent it to Jared. Uh, but one thing I wanted to mention, as far as Rona McDaniels goes, and you guys can call in and and tell me what you think. Rona McDaniel is out at the RNC, and all the headlines keep saying that she called Trump, Jared. Like, oh, she called Trump to tell him that she was leaving because she had this meeting with him at Mar-a-Lago. I had heard that before, um, before we knew that she was leaving. I had read that she had been at Mar-a-Lago and it said, Rona McDaniel, this is how all the headlines go. Rona McDaniel calls Trump to tell him that she's stepping down from head of the RNC. And I'm thinking it's more likely Trump called Rona and told her she's stepping down as head of the RNC. I don't think Rona, I don't think anyone thinks that she's calling the shots at this point. But I do think that the final nail in the coffin was this report from Jennifer Van Lard that was detailing some of the reckless spending that was happening at the RNC. So Jennifer Van Lard broke down some of the irresponsible and over-the-top spending from the RNC. And we've talked about this because it's it's come up before. There's been stories on their spending before, specifically, I think, after 2020. There was a lot of coverage of what they were spending their money on. And nobody cares that you're spending big money on flowers or embroidered pillows when you're winning. But the problem for McDaniel and for others is that if you're burning through people's cash, and they don't have a lot of cash at the RNC, if you're burning through cash on Lululemon zip-ups and ornaments and you're losing election cycle after election cycle well then you got some explaining to do and that is what rona is finding out now she's trying to she tried to squash this it didn't work but i don't blame people for being fed up it's time we start winning and i don't think spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on flowers is going to do it we'll be right back Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. All right, so here's a little flashback for you. This was Governor Ron DeSantis. He did a debate with Governor Gavin Newsom. And he brought up the vice president. He, I don't think he was trying to be disrespectful in any way when he called her by her name. But it was enough to really anger Gavin Newsom. Like you would think, if only we could see this level of frustration from Gavin Newsom when people talk about the theft, the carjackings, 
the needles on the street, the human feces covering the sidewalk. If only those things that are going on in his own state, if that could elicit some sort of reaction. But no, no, the only things that elicit a reaction from Gavin Newsom are if he thinks Xi Jinping is coming to visit or if you mispronounce Kamala Harris's name in such a slight way that I'll be honest, I wouldn't have caught it. And another thing I might add in is I might be mispronouncing it. If this if this is so egregious to Gavin Newsom, I've probably mispronounced her name before as well. So take a listen to this flashback. Joe Biden is in the pocket of the teachers union, and so is Kamala Harris. That's why they fought by the way, school it's not openings Kamala when, Harris. when he Shame came in you. there. It's Kamala when they had Harris, that in Ron. There. It's Kamala Biden came Harris, into office, Madam and he Vice brought in President the teacher to union Kamala to be Harris. able to do... Oh, God. Have a little self-respect, Newsom. He's, oh, now you're, de- now you're her, like, defense squad? And it's not just, again, DeSantos. Excuse me. Have a little respect. It's Governor Ron DeSantos to you. But that was how that was how DeSantis mispronounced it. Can I hear it again? Just because he says he says Kamala. I don't really. Joe Biden is in the pocket of the teachers union, and so is Kamala Harris. That's why they fought by the way, school it's not openings Kamala when, Harris. when he Shame came in you, there. Kamala. When they had okay, so Kam- Kamala versus Kamala. Now let's hear Biden's pronunciation of it just one more time to figure out where this falls in. This is Joe Biden saying. Let me just say we're really fortunate to have a real inspired nation. But as Kamala described. Yeah, I'm going to argue that that's worse than either of them. Kamala? Kamala's a little off target there. 844-500-4242. So it says, RNC chairwoman Rona McDaniel tells Trump she's resigning after. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to this, but there's one other thing I wanted to say, Jared. Since we're talking about double standards and since we're talking about how certain things that used to be offensive are no longer considered offensive, can I have the cut of Al Sharpton? So Al Sharpton is on Morning Joe. He's part of that really highly intellectual panel they got going there of the perpetually nodding Mika Brzezinski, um, the plagiarist Mike Barnacle, the Republican, wink, wink, Joe Scarborough. And Al Sharpton is often there to call other people anti-Semites or to call other people racist when we know that he is both of those things. So recently, Al Sharpton was talking about the illegal aliens that are surging our border and coming into our country. And this is what he had to say. This is cut two. You're getting migrants beating up policemen in the streets in New York. You're seeing an influx of migrants all over the country that frankly have people outraged. And couldn't there be some kind of public pressure put in the next couple of days in some of these senator states saying, why are you allowing this to continue? Because at the end of the day, senators have to deal with their voters. And at the same time, it uh, in the bill, you give uh, uh, money to Gaza, to, to, to civilians in Gaza and Israel. But the border, I mean, we're looking every day at the invasion of migrants. The invasion. I remember reading several stories about how using the word invasion was a dog whistle. You were not supposed to do that. It's politically incorrect. It is inciting violence. It is hateful. 
It is xenophobic. And I'm shocked to hear Al Sharpton, of all people, a beacon of kindness and acceptance using that kind of language. It really bothers me, Jared. And it's They're made- locking up my toothpaste. <laughs> and it makes me concerned that according to Axios, Morning Joe is where Morning Joe is going to get all of his advice. Like he goes there and he watches all of their coverage of him, which is obviously very slanted. They're huge fans of Joe Biden. And he watches and he, he keeps track of what's going on on the set of Morning Joe. Frightening stuff, really. Um, All right. So back to Rona McDaniel. It says RNC chairwoman Rona McDaniel tells Trump she's resigning after South Carolina primary. Now, Trump 77, this is from The New York Post, is expected to back North Carolina Republican Party chairman Michael Watley. It's really more like his choice. He's going to nominate someone or he's going to suggest someone. And it's it's more likely than not going to happen. So Michael Watley is going to be McDaniel's replacement if everyone else is on board with it. And Trump's preference for Watley to take the helm uh, of the National Party stems from the North Carolina GOP chair's belief that mass voting fraud was uh, perpetrated during the 2020 election. I like reading that he served as general counsel at the RNC and he's backed efforts to develop new voting laws over fraud concerns. Because one thing I really appreciated when Harmeet Dillon wanted the job against Rona McDaniel, she came on um, and she or she was going on all these interviews and she was talking about how she actually had a plan for the way to deal with voter fraud. And the plan wasn't just to talk about it after the fact. Like, I don't like that plan. I don't like the plan of complaining. Oh, it was stolen. Well, why don't you try to figure out something beforehand? And Harmeet Dillon had she had some actual not to sound like a Biden administration hack, But she had some six-pronged plans. She had strategies, Jared. You're laughing, but it's true. She she had ideas of how you could do this. Ballot harvesting, which I know nobody in the Republican Party wants to talk about. She had ideas regarding that. And I appreciated the fact that she wanted to be proactive because it's hard. It's it's hard to beat voter fraud after it already happens. You have to kind of stop it before it occurs. And so I'm very excited that Rona McDaniel is out. I know Trump was very nice to her while she was there. He was supportive of her. But I'm glad that he listened to other people in the Republican Party who for a long time have been saying, get this lady out of here. She's no good. So this is interesting to me, and I'm I'm maybe connecting some dots here. Ooh. But remember Lee Zeldin from New York. Yes, also was going for the RNC chair position against Armit and Rona McDaniel. Trump kind of a little while back mentioned Lee Zeldin possibly as a VP. I wonder if appointing Watley as chair of the RNC is leaving the door open for a vice president, Lee Zeldin. Oh, I would be down for that. I I really think that... It makes me sad to think how different, how differently things would have played out in New York if they had made the right decision. I know that goes totally. That's not their brand. Making the correct political decisions is not New York's brand whatsoever. And so it makes sense that they they decided to go with Hochul. But I would have loved, 
I would have loved if Lee Zeldin won because maybe we wouldn't be seeing this utter madness that we're seeing in New York. Now, speaking of New York, something that we have to look forward to, fingers crossed, the GOP is hoping, and I'm reading this from Fox News, it says, the GOP hopes that Republican nominee Mazi Melissa Pillup defeats former Representative Tom Suozzi for the seat vacated by Representative George Santos. Now, Mozzie Pillup has been very vocal. She is very anti-illegal immigration, and she has been outspoken about that. So I am hoping that they will get that seat, and then maybe they'll have the votes to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, because we know that Mazi will definitely be, or Maisie will be on the right side of that. 844-500-4242. Oh my God, can you imagine if we had Gavin Newsom in studio while I'm just butchering people's names? It's, it's, talk about a brand. That's part of my brand. Racism, racism. I swear to you, it has. there's not a racist bone in my body. It has nothing to do with that. I am just terrible at, when I see something, my go-to is whatever the wrong... And Jared, remember you used to tell me about Nevada all the time. You would say, Grace, you got to say Nevada. Because how was I pronouncing it? Nevada. Nevada. And you would Very say... northeast. And you would Blue tell me... blood pronunciation. And there's nothing racist, trust me. I'm not racist against Nevada. Silver State, do not worry. But Jared would tell me, you got to say Nevada. People in Nevada don't like to hear you say Nevada. And sometimes if you tell me one way, it's almost a guarantee. It's like Michael Scott. I'm going to... I'm going to go out of my way at that point to say it the wrong way. And that's a perfect example. I'm sure this is pronounced Maisie. That's the, that's what makes the most sense. So what do I say? Mozzie. Gavin Newsom would be in here going. You say Maisie, I say Mozzie. Let's call the whole thing off. Gavin Newsom would be in here going, you should be ashamed of yourself. You xenophobic, racist rube. All right, so we have that to look forward to in New York. Shame on you, Grace Curly. <laughs> Shame on you. Uh, 844-500-4242. And you know what? Since we're going with New York, Jared, I'm going to save this for when we come back. But this is an unbelievable story. And it's the cover of the New York Post. It says, Heroes to Zeros, the $2 million New York City Housing Authority bribery scandal hall of shame. And there's some of these that I really got a kick out of. Some of these scammers and what they spent their money on. I love the line about one of these scammers that said his Facebook profile also suggests a love of luxury European sports cars. I'm going to go out on a limb and say most people have a love of luxury European sports cars. They just don't have a budget for it. You know what I mean? Like you could you couldn't add me under that list. I have a love for it. I have a love for yachts, too. I can't afford them, but I love them. I have love in my heart for them. So we're going to talk about all of these scammers. It's just, it's really fun to read. And uh, the irony of these people being like part of the mentorship program and things like that. You guys will get a kick out of it. 844-500-4242. We'll take your calls when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Now, Jared, it's that time of year. It's chilly out. There's nothing better than a delicious steak, a glass of wine, unwinding after a long day. But there's also so many possibilities when you think about Omaha Steaks. Sometimes I I worry that when we talk about Omaha Steaks, I'm such a filet girl that I focus on that. And then people who might not be crazy about filet 
they think there's no options for them. And it couldn't be further from the truth because the best part about Omaha Steaks is the possibilities are endless. And some of the unsung heroes include the pork chops and the chicken, which with this deal, omahasteaks.com slash grace, you're going to get four free boneless chicken breasts, which Jared loves, and four free boneless pork chops, which I finally did try. And oh my gosh, you were not lying about them. They are delicious. But there are so many things for everyone. And you can go to omahasteaks.com slash grace and you can get these freebies, but you can also pick out exactly what you want and get a great deal. And the other part of this that I always like to drive home for people is that the value you're getting and the convenience of not having to go to the grocery store and pick through stuff that is not this good a quality and is a lot more expensive, that right there is a win, Jared. Yeah, and you know, I always try to have meals on hand and keep myself stocked with some Omaha Steaks meals. I love the the beef franks, the hot dogs. Those, those never seem to last because I go right for them, but I've got some burgers in the freezer right now. I've got a couple of steaks in the freezer right now. I've got the fillets and a bacon-wrapped fillet still waiting there for me. It's the best meat you will ever taste they guarantee it and i believe them yes and all you have to do is go to omahasteaks.com slash grace and you'll get the four free air chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free boneless pork chops now keep in mind as jared always warns you once you try this you're not going to want to go back that is our only warning about omaha steaks is you know enter at your own risk because you are going to eat it you're going to fall in love with this product and you're going to want to eat their chicken their steaks their hot dogs and burgers for the rest of your life but luckily with these deals and with these prices you can go to omahasteaks.com slash grace minimum purchase may apply also i just got scoop i've got so many sources out there who watch so much of this crap on tv and i just got a little tip from a little birdie about a mistake we're talking about saying the wrong name and dog whistles and you know racism a mistake that somebody on the panel of Morning Joe made yesterday that we might have missed. We'll talk about that when we come back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Silva and Salinas, a small law firm with a proven track record of big results, whether it's family law, criminal defense, or some other legal concern. Mark Salinas and his team are with you from start to finish. I love Mark Salinas. He is great. He's offered us so much insight into legal matters on the show, and he's just a very nice person. Learn more about Silva and Salinas at sslawteam.com. That's sslawteam.com. Jared, what is the poll question, and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is that Trump says Bud Light deserves a second chance. Do you agree? Yes, no, or I didn't drink Bud Light before the boycott anyway. All right, so this is a story that was trending yesterday. Donald Trump went on True Social. He says that um, Anheuser-Busch isn't a woke company. There are a lot of other woke companies out there, and he thinks that 
although they did make a mistake of epic proportions, and I'm just paraphrasing the the general idea of the truth social, it's not word for word, but that they deserve a second chance and that they've learned their lesson. Now, their stocks plummeted like 30%. So I, I think it's hard to imagine a scenario where they haven't learned their lesson. I'm holding out hope. It's been going on for quite some time. And I think when something affects your wallet or your bottom line, that's a pretty quick way to make people figure out they've done something wrong or they've ticked off their customers. My vote in this poll is I I didn't drink Bud Light anyway. And the reason I'm voting for that, because, yeah, I could just do yes or no. But I do think it matters because if I loved Bud Light, if I loved the product, if I loved the beer, I would give them a second chance at this point, I think. I'm not, especially because I think there's a lot of people whose jobs are depending on Bud Light um, or Anheuser-Busch and I, I don't want to see people lose their jobs. But if I love the product and I feel like they understood why their base felt, I don't know, disrespected and, and not even from the Dylan Mulvaney, I would actually argue that the the Zoom video of the marketing lady was worse, talking about frat boys and kind of demeaning their customer base. But if I really love the product, I think I would give them a second chance What I don't understand, though, is how you convince people who might not be angry anymore, Jared, but who have just found something else that they like just as much, how you convince those people to go back. Because it's not the kind of product that they're the only they're the only game in town. Like other people might not be angry anymore. They might not feel like spiteful or, you know, bitter at Bud Light, but they might have just found a beer that tastes as good or better and they don't want to they don't want to switch now. They they've gotten used to buying this other beer. So my answer is I've never been a Bud Light drinker. So I can't really vote yes or no. 41% say I didn't drink Bud Light before the boycott anyway. The majority goes to no, no second chance at 46%. 13% say yes. I'm curious, you know, I'm going to text, I know a couple people who are big Bud Light drinkers, or were big Bud Light drinkers, and I'm going to ask them, like, will you go back? Because they did for a long time, they just decided, all right, I'll 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 go with Michelob, or I'll go with Coors, or I'll go with Miller, and I don't know how, unless you start offering, which they've tried, offering some huge discount, or offering some, some deal, I don't see how you get those people back. Because sure, they might not necessarily hate you as a company or want to see your downfall, but they also aren't going to feel obligated to like save you at this point. Eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. We'll talk about that. We'll take your calls, and we'll also talk about this NYCHA bribery scandal that I think is going to make you chuckle. Don't go anywhere. Caroline Levitt in the two o'clock, and so much more when we come back. 